Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Doing well. Good, good. But we're going to be talking about stuff that we've talked about before. I guess that's legal if they're still in the news, right? <laughs> yeah. Still can do that. And I don't think we can get canned for it because uh, we're very cautious on what we say. Yes. We don't want to stir up any trouble. But I want to talk a little bit about NATO and a little bit more about the Durham report. Uh, the Durham report is sure, sure, an interesting subject, and it looks like it's going to be around a while, and and it'll uh, get a lot more investigation. But starting off with NATO, yeah, you know, NATO's been around for <coughs> for a little while, you know, and uh, we were behind that and still are, even though it's. Our president at one time, uh, I think Trump says, well, if they don't behave, we'll just leave NATO. Yeah. But I don't think he was very serious about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody worried about it because we are NATO and uh, it's our money. And right now, NATO is at war, which means the United States is at war. But I can't remember <coughs> when the Congress declared this war, you know, yeah. but they're fighting a war in the war. Uh, they they say the war is be between uh, Ukraine and Russia, but the real war is between NATO and Russia. And uh, it's ongoing. And NATO involves, uh, you know, politically a lot of countries to say that they, they endorse what's happening. And also the globalists who want to control everything, they're, they're, they're interested in this too. And, uh, but the report that came out this week from Brussels is that uh, NATO's, uh, you know, laying plans that they haven't done for a while uh, to major defense plans. So I wonder what they know that we don't know. I mean, we know the danger of coming. But could this mean that it's getting closer, that uh, they're pre preparing? But how effective are they going to be? Is this all a lot of noise? Because uh, maybe, maybe uh, NATO is not quite as strong as they thought they were. Uh, you know, politically, they're not as strong as the EU isn't as strong, as United States foreign policy isn't as strong as it used to be. And also the financing of that uh, foreign policy is getting more difficult all the time because right now our Congress is facing how can we lie enough to the people so they'll accept the fact that we uh, we, we got to keep the government open and do whatever we can, print more money and, uh, you know, go around the laws, whatever they need to do it. So there's a lot of ifs there, but there's still a very strong effort. So I would say that maybe this announcement of these plans uh, for more, greater defense by NATO should be observed and should be maybe a warning. But I don't quite think that uh, if they're thinking clearly that uh, they're ready to march. And uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. But the march on, on, you know, maintaining our empire and control, the importance of oil and the importance of the military industrial complex, all of that is going to continue. And that might be the uh, war that uh, is obviously the most important, uh, you know, an attack on our liberties here at home, an attack of, of our financial system, that may be the more important. And all this other stuff is just to stimulate the patriots to say, you know, we, we have to be ready. Those Russians are bad, but whoa, boy, what looks like they're ganging up on us. They're joining with talking to China, you know. Of course, we still buy stuff from China, but uh, that, that's beside the point. 
point. So we want to ma mention that, and I know you've looked in this, into this a little bit, and uh, you can tell us all about this plan for more militarism by NATO. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a big event because, you know, NATO has this big summit in Vilnius coming up in July. And supposedly they're going to make some kind of statement about Ukraine. I seriously doubt they would do anything dramatic and welcome Ukraine in. They've already said completely we're not going to welcome Ukraine in while there's still a battle going on. Uh, there may not be a Ukraine left by then. Who knows? But nevertheless, what's important, we can put up that first clip. What's important, we read earlier today, is that at this summit coming up in July, NATO for the first time in decades is going to approve, it's classified now, but a new plan for what they call a, quote, defensive war with Russia. Now, they have not had updated plans for war with Russia since basically the end of the Cold War because they didn't view a war with Russia as a threat. If we can just put that back up really quick. Um, they didn't view a war with Russia as something that would be coming up. So the fact that they are planning on that, this is, of course, we can't rule out that this is a PSYOP and they're trying to signal that, hey, we're the tough guys, we're going to take this on. But nevertheless, the fact that they are planning a war with Russia says a lot. If we can use the second one, this is, what, uh, this is basically what this is all about. NATO will step back to the future as Vilnius Summit in July with leaders set to approve thousands of pages of secret military plans that will detail for the first time since the Cold War how the alliance would respond to a Russian attack. Now, Jen Stoltenberg, the Secretary General, said, Allies will know exactly what forces and capabilities are needed, including where, what, and how to deploy. So they are trying to puff themselves up and say they're ready. But of course, here's the thing that, that should bother people about this, Dr. Paul. This whole thing has always been viewed as defensive. But as we've talked until we're blue in the face, it was U.S. and our NATO allies going back to 2014 and before who started with a coup in Ukraine, who started arming Ukraine, who started training Ukraine on how to fight Russia. They established, they sent in tons and tons of weapons. Even Trump sent in heavy weapons uh, into Ukraine, the whole purpose of which was to fight Russia because there's no one else around that they could fight. Everyone else is their <laughs> benefactor. So the fact is, after years and years of doing this, and Russia responds to a threat that it perceives, now all of a sudden, uh, NATO is just defensive, you know, just defensive. It's like if you go into a bar and start beating up the biggest guy <laughs> and he punches you back, hey, this isn't fair. So, you know, we have to factor this in, I think. You know, they, they talk about defensive war because who, who would say we have offensive wars? No. But uh, in, in the old days, and there's still a few people left, say, well, you know, it does sound risky and we have to have a defense against Russia. And another term they use all the time, but you have to defend American interests. And, and interests, wonder what they mean. Sometimes they just mean oil, you, yeah. you know, maintaining the supply and us having control and adding to the empire and that sort of thing. But uh, it's a, it, and they, they, they say, they call that defensive, but in, in reality, uh, you know, why do we have to go so far to find the front lines to find out who we might have to defend ourselves? I think, I think that uh, to me right now, the, the hot war in the world is uh, between those individuals who have been drawn into this war in Ukraine and uh, those people who have been uh, drawn into the war by the Russians and there's a front line there. But why, that's a long way off. And yet we have to generalize support 
uh, from the people because they're going to be taxed. And I hope we're waking up a couple people and saying, enough is enough. We don't need this. Uh, rarely do they say, ever ask the question and uh, have too much reassurance. Say, well, we, the, the Congress is in charge because they have to declare a war before a big war gets happened. We're going to have a vote in the Congress, which is a bunch of baloney. I mean, we haven't been doing that in years. We talked yesterday how many people died since 9-11 in undeclared wars. It's just totally out of control. But then, then again, you say, well, we, we have to go to the front lines and be defensive and make sure they don't advance it toward us. But, but what, what about... Uh, you, you, what about our borders? Yeah, we ought to protect our borders. But the Russians aren't on our borders. Yeah. The Chinese don't have tanks there. There's no Navy out there. There are no, no planes in Cuba, no missiles in Cuba that we talk about now anymore. But they, uh, they say that uh, we have to have protection and protect our borders. So are we doing a good job because uh, we still spend a lot of money? Uh, but it looks like... It's increased the invasion. We haven't done anything to slow up the invasion of people who have come to sort of take charge of our country and move in the front of the lines of every benefit there is. So I think that this is it's, it's in a way a farce. And fortunately, the numbers are on our side. Common sense is on our side. But the numbers are on our side in the sense that more people are saying, why are we there? And why don't we deal more with, you know, what's going on in our country and, uh, and, and have a, a different attitude about spending? Because what's going to eat our lunch, <laughs> literally, is, uh, you know, the bankruptcy that's coming and uh, trying to get a point where we don't have this epidemic of people living and cluttering up the streets of the big cities yeah, yeah. that have been destroyed by leftism. You know, well, NATO, since the end of the Cold War, has hit all the small fries. You know, yeah, they proved they could bomb Serbia. Well done. Uh, they proved they could destroy Libya. They did that. They were involved with Syria, of course. They were involved with Afghanistan. The 20-year war to replace the Taliban with the Taliban. <laughs> so that was a great success. So like everything in foreign policy, you fail upward. You know, Victoria Newland failed in 2014. Um, and she was promoted. So they're promoting themselves now, having failed in all of these interventions with these small fries, and it's no insult to these countries, it's just a fact. Now, this, instead, they're going to take on the big enchilada, right? They're going to yeah. take on the number one nuclear-armed country in the world, most nuclear weapons in the world. So they failed everywhere else, so they're going to take on the big one. It's, 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 it, you're right, it is a farce, it's, it's preposterous, and it's more important than that, it's dumb. <laughs> it's a bad idea. It doesn't need to happen. There's no reason for it, and it's dangerous. Let's do a couple more quotes from this article, and this is from a Reuters article that caught our attention this morning. Um, so uh, this is Rob Bauer, who's one of NATO's top military officials and a real hawk. Some of the stuff he says is really wacky. So he says, the fundamental difference between crisis management and collective defense is this. It's not we, but our adversary who determines the timeline. Now, that is partly true but it is very importantly partly untrue, which is the timeline has been determined, Dr. Paul, by NATO's intervention in Ukraine in the first place. There would be no timeline if NATO hadn't been involved arming and training Ukraine to fight Russia at all. So we wouldn't be talking about any of it. And it was all for good things, of course. But you've mentioned many times on this program about the real victims 
are the people who have to be fighting for Ukraine, even though it's been orchestrated outside because they, they wouldn't have taken on this uh, whole thing. And I'm sure <coughs> Russia have, would have a different attitude because actually when there was an election and there was somebody more sensible and actually willing to talk to Russia, uh, you know, it didn't happen until the coup occurred and they, uh, they had to change leadership. But there should be certainly discussion within Ukraine uh, about, uh, you know, an alternative to this nonsense instead of NATO, United States stirring up more and more trouble between Russia and China. But uh, let the people who are involved, it's, it's just so, so illogical uh, for, for that them decide how the people should live in Ukraine. But uh, that is really not even on the table because it's, uh, it's the control, it's the power, it's the money, it's the oil, and all these things. You know, it, it, just think, it, I'm still just befuddled about, about how we went to the extreme of taking a symbol of what could have happened at the end of the Cold War with a pipeline and hooking two major parts of the world, you know, Russia and Europe. Yeah. And then we go and blow it up because it might hurt, hurt the profits of our oil company. That, that to me has to be astounding. And, and you really can't talk about it because it's so evil. And it's, it's you know, it's no, no, not many people pay attention. I don't think the majority of the American people uh, even would have that on their list of concerns about our policies doing such stuff like that. It's evil and it's also crazy. I mean, who would have thought in this day? And it, it makes you wonder about a lot of things in the past and I won't go into detail. But, you know, you talk about the horrors of war and the horrors of people dying uh, in Ukraine, both Ukrainians and Russians, of course, because war is a tragedy for everyone. And we'd never want to discount that. That is right. an absolute fact. But our point has always been this could have easily been avoided. And even if you just go back to the Minsk talks, the Minsk agreements that said, OK, listen up, here's the plan. Eastern Ukraine is very close to Russia. They're ethnically Russian. They vote pro-Russia party every time. They should be allowed to determine if they get some more autonomy from Kiev. And that was the whole plan. Yeah. And it didn't, they never implemented it. Kiev never implemented it. And, and instead, they kept bombing and shelling Eastern Ukraine. And Angela Merkel, and we've talked about it on the show, she said recently, yeah, we never meant to implement that. We were just trying to buy time so that we could continue to arm and train Ukraine. So it was a hugely cynical ploy on the part of the U.S. government and its allies to maintain and push toward war. So the fact that we decry uh, what they did in no way diminishes the suffering of people now. In fact, if they had listened to people like us back then, <laughs> we would never have had this war. Yeah, the, the agreement really uh, turned it on for the NATO people. They, they really were stimulated to, you know, get excited about this because this would undermine all their worldwide plans. Yeah. You know, they don't want, you know, an independent uh, uh, nation like that. Why, 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 and who knows what might have happened. You might have moved in the direction of a, an example of uh, the o older, uh, uh, the, the years gone by of uh, Switzerland or somebody yeah, yeah. be more independent. But uh, no, and... Uh, 
this motivated uh, the men's thing. They, they were determined to wreck it. And part of that wrecking determination is the, the great symbol of tying these two uh, great areas of the world uh, on, on this pipeline. Yeah. That uh, the people selling it could make money. The people that are receiving it could stay warm. And, uh, and, and not so many people would have to die by making everything much worse. Yeah. So... Uh, it's, it's too bad that we can't be a little more effective in, in uh, you know, getting people to come in this direction. Let's hope, let's hope we can do it because, because I know one thing, <clears throat> if there was a zero opposition to it, uh, things would be much, much worse. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, the thing about, I mean, I think a lot of this is bluster, and, uh, but the problem with this bluster is it's dangerous because we are talking about nuclear war. But here's an example of, my, of, of the bluster and I think what would basically undermine the bluster. If we can move ahead one to the quote, we are ready to fight, if you find that, maybe a couple ahead. This is a NATO Lieutenant General Cottero. Here he goes. So here's a NATO Ut Lieutenant General. He says, we are ready to fight tonight. You know you're never sufficiently ready, never. We have to be able to fight tonight if necessary with what we have. So that sounds like, yes, NATO is absolutely ready. So I remember a few quotes from just a month or so ago, and I went back and dug a couple ones up. So Mr. Uh, General Cottero may be ready to fight, but that doesn't mean the people behind him are. Let's put on this next one. This is from Sky News uh, just a couple months ago. U.S. General warns British Army no longer top-level fighting force. Defense sources reveal. Go back one if you can, yeah. So Rishi Shunak uh, risks failing in his role as wartime prime minister. And go to the next one. Now, here's from that article back in January. Uh, offering a sense of the scale of the challenges faced by the Army, Royal Navy, and Royal Air Force, it is understood that, quote, the armed forces would run out of ammunition in a few days if called upon to fight. That doesn't sound like they're ready to fight. Uh, it would take five to ten years for the Army to be able to field a war-fighting division of some 25 to 30,000 troops backed by tanks, artillery, and helicopters. The Russians have a reported half million men in the field right now. And for the UK, it would take them 10 years to get 25,000 men. So are they ready to fight? I don't know. Well, here's my exhibit B, Dr. Paul, if you can do the next one. Also from Sky News. Um, NATO's badly kept secret. Ukraine's backers struggle to keep up with demand of munitions race against Russia. They don't have any weapons. Go to the next one. This is from that Sky News article. And here's Germany. Are they ready to fight? Germany is reported to have two days' worth of ammunition supplies if, for, for instance, Russian tanks come rumbling over its borders. So my answer, Dr. Paul, to them, I don't know that you are ready to fight. But NATO is ready for one thing, and I will give them credit for this. They are ready to virtue signal to the gods of wokeism because this is a tweet they put out yesterday. This is what they're good at, not fighting and winning wars. This is a rainbow um, lapel pin, and it says, this is put out by NATO, and it says, speaking on, I don't know what kind of special day this is, Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said that NATO's, NATO's mission extends beyond protecting territories to safeguarding our diverse populations. So here's a rainbow flag banner representing the homosexual agenda, I believe, and a NATO pin in it. So they may not be ready to fight wars, Dr. Paul, but they're ready for the woke.
but they better get ready to lose the you war. Have to lose the war. <laughs> but, but you know, um, they're not they're not ready for war. But I don't think it'll stop them because uh, they're they're not thinking the same way as we are and what's the cost it. But the, the only thing that's going to stop it is the American people have to uh, express themselves and tell tell the world and, and tell our leaders that the American people are not ready to pay for the war. Yeah. All that we have to do is, and look at what is what is our budget, $878 billion and going up and hidden and no audits and uh, people making a lot of money. But, oh yeah, there's, uh, but, 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 but we're producing peace and prosperity, sure. So uh, the American people have to stand up and say, we're not ready to pay. And uh, you're doing it. It's illegal and immoral. And you said it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if you said it's stupid, we shouldn't be wasting our money on this yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it, the summit and the continued blustering. I think we're going to move on to someone I know that you, uh, that you uh, admire. And, and I think he's certainly an intelligent person. This is Alan Dershowitz. He's no dummy. Let's put it that way. Well, he had an interesting reaction to the uh, Durham report, and I think it's one that the Ron Paul Liberty Report would endorse very enthusiastically. Here's what he said uh, in an Epic Times, uh, I think, an event. Dershowitz, Durham report shows that Americans are right to distrust government. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he's a smart guy. Yeah. But you should be able to come to that conclusion with an IQ that might not reach his IQ, too, because it's not that big of a problem to figure out uh, to not to distrust the government. And, you know, even the people who depend on government, they're they're. they're it isn't like they give up on government. They get worried whether the checks will continue. Yeah. You know, the people right now that are scared to death that uh, that they're going to not send checks, you know, and their Social Security, they're worried about it. And, uh, and th there's reason for them not to trust the government's promises. But there's every reason in the world that they ne need a better handle on the understanding of economics that, yes, don't worry about it. Your checks are going to come. Yeah. They'll continue. But your money isn't going to buy as much, and you're going to suffer the consequences. And it's all related to this type of spending and the wars and all the other efforts. And the people uh, <clears throat> people have a right to be, uh, they have a rush to distrust government. But they have also an obligation to figure out what, uh, what they can do in a positive way. And one of it is try to fully understand how the globalists operate and what their goals are and how the monetary system works it isn't that hard people people shouldn't we should not allow our government to do anything that we ourselves aren't allowed to do if we yeah. can't steal from our neighbor why can't we send our congressman there to steal from our neighbor to get something we want or well, the same way internationally there's a, such basic rules that most people would shake their head yeah that sounds good Good. That sounds good, but they're they're locked in because now the welfare state has been, uh, you know, uh, solidified ever since. Almost, he's going to go up to a hundred years now. Yeah. You know that uh, we have transferred and uh, uh, you know the uh, uh, republic that we've had into now a uh, a, a country that re really is run by the corporatists, which is which fear what people should be fearful of uh, to distrust the government because corporatism usually goes into into uh, uh, you know into under the authoritarian yeah. government and uh, communist and fascism absolutely well here's a couple of things that Dershowitz said he was at an event that the epic times sponsored on may 15th 
um, right as the, it came out. And a couple of good quotes, I think, Dr. Paul. And here's Dershowitz. He says, I think it reveals that Americans are right to distrust the government, even civil servants, people in the government. The case demonstrates that people are prepared to distort the Constitution to get their way, to get their partisan political way. And he goes on to say, and I think he captures it well here. This is from the article about the uh, speech that he gave. If we can go forward one. He's, this is from the Epic Times. He says, the FBI investigation into the Trump campaign, quote, is unprecedented in our history, Dershowitz said. And he warned that the probe even happening is extraordinarily dangerous. Quote, I think there has to be consequences to the people who are involved. And that's why I'm glad we're going to be, there are going to be hearings, he said. People have to know. They can't do this. <laughs> good quote. They can't. No, that's good. I'm glad he's on our side. Yeah. It, it, he's an he's a, he independent thinker, and he's smart, and yet he's not locked in because he still wants to let people know he's a Democrat. Yeah. So he's a so he he's probably you know more for the welfare stuff. But but you know just like Robert Kennedy, he's doing so great. But he's sort of in this category of looking at things and still wanting to be influential in a group of people called Democrats. Yeah. At the same time that uh, they they realize that. Uh, uh, they don't endorse all the nonsense and, they, and all the time all this time the nonsense keeps getting worse yeah. so there's a couple other things on this report yeah. uh, that we might mention the one uh, that uh, we might make a comment fbi leadership sabotage i don't believe it sabotage clinton's foundation investigation <laughs> investigations are supposed to be good uh and it came out of the durham report so this is some revelation that uh yeah, you know, like like Trump said, he was he's he's probably yeah. <laughs> clapping his hands because he, he they'll never let him be vindicated, <laughs> but but in a way he is being vindicated by some of these reports because uh, it raises a lot more questions about the la election in uh, in 2020 than uh, than people want to hear about. Of course, uh, the Democrats certainly don't want to hear about it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the thing that's so important about this is that the FBI was already investigating Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation for alleged wrongdoing and mis misbehavior, including the Hillary's private uh, server with classified data, uh, including foreigners trying to bribe the campaign, because everyone was so sure Hillary was going to be president and was going to win that everyone wanted to pitch some dollars into the hat so when she was president, everyone would benefit. And I think that includes the FBI leadership and the CIA leadership, and that's why they acted as the muscle to make sure. So as soon as, these, uh, as, soon as uh, Clinton came up, they squashed these, uh, the higher-ups squashed these uh, investigations into the, into the Clinton Foundation, uh, into Clinton's behavior, quashed it and said, no, we're gonna look after Trump and try to take Trump out. You know, the, uh, this must have gotten some, uh, uh, some, some news out there and people look at it. LinkedIn bans the journalists and people talking about this now ban journalists for mentioning the Durham report. That's crazy. You know, but uh, yeah, you can't believe it. Microsoft, that's a good capitalist country, a company, you know, <laughs> wants to take care of us all. So that, that to me is, uh, you know, that means there's still reason uh, to uh, use all the same tools and uh, and and keep doing the same thing. Uh, the people who have been caught lying and all, they can get on television and deny every one of those things that has been revealed. And uh, it it 
they, they, they never give up because I think their brain doesn't accept the fact that, well, I think the one thing is, is this whole thing about nihilism because their, their level of, uh, of morality is such that, yes, it doesn't fit the scenario that you people who talk about higher laws, but we're in a place which is, we're, 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 we run the country, we run yeah. the world, we're the globalists, and they depend on us. So th to them, they really believe they're speaking the truth. I, I accept that. Then maybe I'm giving them too much leeway, but uh, they do it. Otherwise, they would probably want to go out and commit suicide for being yeah. so stupid because they've killed so many people with, with these senseless wars. So they have to rationalize it. And just thinking, yesterday we reported on the millions that have died, you know, uh, in the last 50 years. Yeah, absolutely. Due to war. Well, I'm going to just do a shout out to our sponsor for Maine. Of course, that is fourpatriots.com. The good folks with everything you need to survive. And as you all know, we're down here in hurricane country. And I tell you, there's nothing that makes you feel better than having some peace of mind when the weather can turn bad. Uh, and that peace of mind can be definitely gotten by having a generator. Now, all generators are not alike. Some of them can be dangerous. Some of them can emit harmful fumes, carbon monoxide, that could even poison you in your sleep. The folks at 4Patriots.com have a solar powered generator. It doesn't use gas. It doesn't have fumes. It's not loud like generators are. It's as quiet as a laptop and you could pick it up and carry it with you. It's so powerful you could you power up your refrigerator. You can also keep your phones charged, your medical devices going. And the best thing about it is you can go to 4Patriots.com and use the code RON to get 10% off your first purchase. Look at this big Patriot Power 2000. 10% off that purchase if you go to 4Patriots.com and type in RON. And I will, of course, leave a link in the bottom so you can go and check out all the great things they have. Dr. Paul, I'm going to finish out with a couple of comments. First of all, we are getting awfully close. If you can put up that next link. The next clip, awfully close to our June 3rd conference. It is speeding by like an express train. And uh, that means you need to get your tickets right away. Get your tickets. I will have a link. But I'm going to make an announcement, Dr. Paul, because I'm going to announce one of the speakers. And I don't think even, I even told you about this, but I know you're going to be happy. Because <laughs> it's someone we've known for a long time. I mean decades. It's someone who's interviewed you, I think, hundreds of times, written many books, put up the next clip. We're going to have an old friend of ours speaking, and it's going to be a great talk. We're going to have Scott Horton speaking at our conference. I've known Scott for many, many years. He's the editorial director of Antiwar.com. He's the author of several books about getting us out of the war. He's done thousands and thousands of radio interviews on his radio program, as you can see here. He's been on Fox. He's been everywhere. He's going to give a great talk about the return of the Cold War. Uh, so get your tickets, come meet Scott Horton, visit with him in person, hear what he has to say. He's a great speaker, he's a compelling speaker, and he's a good friend. Yes, and, and he's generally in the past uh, has given me strong support. Yeah, Matter of fact, sometimes he's embarrassing because he's yeah. so supportive, but he's a great guy yeah. and he knows the issues. Yeah. So it is true. We've known him for a long time. Matter of fact, we had fun. him in this office one we time. We did. It's going to be fun to see him so, again. So. And I, I want to uh, cl close now just on a, on a bit of advice 
on how you get people to express themselves. If, if you have the opportunity, you should take it if you can talk to your congressman or anybody close to, to a congressman. If he has town hall meetings, which they don't have many of those much anymore, or even if you write a letter, ask a very, very serious question. I think confrontation doesn't work because as soon as you ask him, why did you vote that stupid way this way? Get, get something and ask him, you know, uh, what would you do? You know, uh, is it true that you don't have to declare war anymore? And how do you go to war if, if there's no trade? Serious questions will really, I think, elicit something that they have to stop and think because they have to, you know, reanalyze what, he's, what they're doing. And that, I think, is a, a good way to do it. It's something that in the conversations I've had with over the years with the people that disagreed with me in Congress. It wasn't hard to find anybody. I would just bring up a conversation because sometimes I, you know, learn something from them on why, why they think a certain way. So even if they continue to disagree with you, when you ask them a serious question, you can understand what they're thinking about and what you have to confront. And uh, that, that is a, a big issue but if they hear the terms of what a free society is all about i just don't know how they can reject it because if you're seeking peace and prosperity all you have to do is think about the definition of what personal liberty is all about i want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the liberty report please come back soon